Baseball 365 Podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 79 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, host of this show. Thank you for joining us and making us just spending a little bit of time with us tonight. Or I guess it could be today or whenever it is you're listening. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can follow myself at JustinHughes365. And you can follow Andrew McQuiston at AMCQ82. You can also join our Facebook group. Actually, just a couple days ago was our three-year or two-year anniversary. So we've now been going for two years. We're pushing right at about 2,000 members. And again, all the time, we got good conversations going on about what's going on in baseball that day. As we've got the trade deadline going on, there's a lot of talk about speculating about trades that are coming, as well as reacting to trades that have already happened. And if you'd like to support the show with an iTunes rating and a review, that helps even more, and we'd appreciate that. On tonight's episode, Andrew and I are going to talk about dynasty trades, and we've got the trade deadline coming up for a lot of leagues, and we asked listeners and members of Baseball 365 to provide us with trades that have occurred in their leagues, and we would give our thoughts on the trades. And hopefully it'll open up some other discussions as Andrew and I talk about strategy, which we do a lot already. So this should I, I think this will be a real good episode. So let me get Andrew on the show. Andrew, this week, Lucas Giolito no-hit the Pirates. And to make it worse for the Pirates, that same night, Tyler Glasnow struck out a career-high 13 batters in a game. So my question for you, is there a worse franchise to be a fan of right now in American pro sports than the Pittsburgh Pirates? <laughs> well, the first two that I thought of were the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I thought of them too. And the Detroit Lions. Those were the two. So, I don't know. Yeah, they're all three pretty bad. That's great company to be in, though. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless, just to be put in the same sentence as them. It's rough. And, you know, all of those areas, are all those teams are real close to each other. So I'm sure there are probably some Pirates and Browns fans. I mean, I know the Steelers are right there with the Pirates. So maybe that, yeah. maybe there's not too much overlap. But good Lord, there's, there's something in the water up that way. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm with you. The only other one, Cincinnati Bengals, at least they've had a little bit of success. But they've just continued being a frustrating, dysfunctional organization over the last while and they're pretty bad right now if i they were did they get the first pick in the draft this year i know they were yeah. down there okay yeah. yeah they had the first pick yeah okay but well, they've at least had some success recently i mean they've at least made the playoffs and stuff but yes they have pirates made it a few years ago it's, it's hard to say actually there's parallels it feels there like, feels like a long time ago did the Bengals ever even get a playoff win i know they were going a while under andrew andy dalton without one. i i don't think so Wow, there's a lot of comparisons not that there. I, yeah, not that I can think of offhand. Both franchises went a long time without winning. Both of them had some playoff appearances recently. Neither one of them could get past their first game or round. There's a lot of comparisons there. Huh. Like, God help somebody if they're a fan of both teams. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, going off of that, I put a poll up on Twitter the other night. I've been trying to do that on my Twitter recently and been getting some good comments and votes in. And what the the vote I put in after that no-hitter was, 
Who would you rather have in a dynasty league? Lucas Giolito versus Tyler Glass now. And I think 80% of the votes went to Giolito while 20% went with Glass now. So, Andrew, between those two, who would you rather have and how close do you think it is? Uh, I would take Giolito. Um, I think it's, I think it's close. I, it's really close, actually. I, it's mostly just because I trust him to throw the innings. Uh, if you could guarantee me they were both going to throw two hundred innings, I would take less. Now I'm pretty sure. But yeah, and I mean a lot of in a lot of situations. I'd prefer the per inning guy, which I do think is glass now in a sense, but I just take Giolito because I think he's just more durable and I expect him to be like more of a long haul type of guy, even though you can't really exactly say that with pitchers, but you, you get what I'm saying. I, I just think he's more, um, more durable if that's even a thing these days. Do you think that Glassnow's ceiling is a little higher than Giolito's ceiling if they both hit their peak, or do you think both of them are pretty close in terms of they could be the best pitcher in baseball? I think it's maybe a little higher, but we're talking close, so razor thin that yeah. I don't think it matters when you compare like just the difference in the amount of innings that I think that they could pitch, at least what they have done and what I feel like they can do in the near future, you know? Yep. And so for the record, that's I why I agree with, with you. It. Yeah. That's why I side with it. I mean, I just, I don't think the upsides are that far apart, but yeah, I take Giolito, but it's close. Yeah, I agree. I have glass now in one dynasty league and Giolito in the other. And I think I would trade, I would make that trade of glass now as happy as I am to have him because he sure is fun to watch, but Giolito's had a really good run for the last year and a half. He does have some help. He he can be frustrating to own for somebody who is a high, who's an ace for a team, but he's still he's still a really good pitcher. And it was awesome to see him do, get put the ah, It was awesome to see him pull that off this last week. Yeah, he pitched pitched great. So anyway, thirteen. I think it was thirteen Ks or something. Mm. Something like that, yeah. 12 or 13. I know Glassnow yeah, had 13 also. I think Glassnow's career high was 13, and I think Giolito was right there. Can't remember if it was 12 or 13, but yes, he was yeah. awesome against the Pirates, those poor Pirates. Some, <laughs> somebody asked on Baseball 365 a question about the Pirates and just how things are going and who they could trade and all this stuff, and I commented on there and said, you know, they could always try trading Chris Archer away and get Meadows and Glassnow. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll, race will go for it yeah yeah i saw that <laughs> painful painful we're at the we've now crossed two years since that trade and eh, it was painful when it happened and it's a lot worse now yeah so again we're going to talk about trades that are have happened in dynasty leagues andrew and i have brought are going to be talking about some of them that we've made in our or we have seen happen in leagues we play in as well as we've had some comments from the facebook group and I did set up a first-timers dynasty league. I think I mentioned that in the offseason where 15 people who have not played in dynasty leagues before set up a league or um, pl are playing in a league that I helped set up and fill. And I saw some trades come from that, and I thought that would be fun to talk about too just because they're all beginners. And some of them, were gonna, some of them are real good trades, and some of them are pretty cringeworthy that I got, in my opinion anyways. <laughs> So we'll just talk about all that, but Andrew, 
I'm going to start off before we get to talking about these trades and term, talk about some just strategy things in terms of this 2020 weird season that we're in. Now that we're a month into the season and the MLB is moving along, how are you feeling about pushing chips to win this year compared to most normal seasons now that we're closing out on the deadline? I think it's kind of kind of like a case-by-case thing. I mean, generally speaking, I feel like I'm a little bit less likely to push chips this year. But, I mean, you could argue that, you know, some people may say they're more likely because if there was ever a year where a random team was going to win the league, it would be this year, you know, because it's obviously only a 60-game season. So a lot more teams may be more likely to go for it, maybe more likely to push. I don't know. I just feel like selling it all off, this year to finish second or third would be um, a little bit disappointing. I don't know. That's just me. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying like, you know, I'm kind of looking at a lot of these, a lot of the moves and I've made trades. There's no doubt about that, but I, I, I look at a lot of them kind of like, okay, if I like this trade for next year and beyond, then I'm a lot more likely to do it too. You know I mean? Or if, or if, like, let's say I think that next year and beyond it's close, but it's giving me an edge this year. Like, if I'm going for a title this year, then I'm more likely to do that, too. But if it's something where it's drastically affecting next year and beyond, and it's, you know, it's going to help me some this year, but the, the future, it kind of shoots me in the foot, then I don't know. I'm just not real, real big into making those moves. Yeah, the trading of the elite prospects, I have them, I have quite a few of them in one of my two dynasty leagues I play in, and I've got a couple of them here in our Rotomasters 2 league, and I've been very gun-shy about moving those guys this year. I, even I've had trades that have been sent to me where I think it even looked better, for like it looks fine for next year and the next couple of years, and I don't know, I just feel weird about pushing them this year. And... On that same note, I have made trades. I've made trades in the last week or two in both leagues. But I, I'm noticing that I feel more comfortable trading major league pieces for major league pieces than I actually feel about trading elite-level prospects. And I can trade a secondary prospect, a guy in the back back half of the top 100. But I've really been gun-shy about moving those big guys to try to chase a championship right now. It's weird. I probably, one of the leagues, I may regret it. The other one, I think, even though I'm in second right now, and there's both both leagues, the people there are a lot more people close to me in second. Like I know you and I have gone back and forth in second place in arm two, and yeah, I I don't know if I'll even finish in second, but I don't know if I care that much this year. It just it's different. This year's different. Yeah, it's it's weird because I mean, when have we ever had? I mean, the answer is never, but. We're one month into the season, so we have one month of data, and we have one month left. Yep. So, you know, in a sense, you could say you're halfway through the season, which is a lot. I mean, that's a big chunk. But with it being such a short amount of time, you know, you you could look at standings right now, and there, there are, I mean, 
how valid are they? Like how predictive are they going over this second month? I mean, because it's only one month, you know, like typically at this time of year, there's been five months of data. Yep. Right now there's one. So I think people can kind of, uh, trick themselves into thinking that they're in the hunt or whatever you want to call it. Maybe they are. I mean, that's the thing. It's just, it's really, it is, it's weird. It's different, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I'm not going to say don't push. I mean, of course I'm like I said, I've, I've made trades myself if I feel good about it, but I am consciously thinking, I would say more than normal, more than the normal amount about next year and beyond than I would if I was pushing in a normal season. So yeah. I just think you have to kind of think about both this year. I would think if you really think your window's closing as a contender, maybe this is, or that you're, you're up there and you're up in the standings and you're not sure if your team's legit, but you're up there. Maybe this would be a time to push. Like you said before, because the sample's small it can change fast the standings right now. Right. I mean, we're right. 30 games into a season and yeah, we we have 30 more, which means it's small sample. And if you get hot and you can gain a lot of points quick and, but on that. And so if I'm not sure I'm a contender or if my window's closing, I could see myself pushing, but it, I guess it really just depends on where your team's at and how you feel it's going to be in the next couple of years. Yeah, definitely. All right, my follow-up question. How is your trading strategy near the deadline right now different than it is in the off-season or at the beginning of the season? Uh, I don't know if it's if it's real different. I mean, one, a couple things I like to do, you know. So if I'm contending for the championship, trying to win the league, you know, or if I'm in the running to win the league realistically – I'm looking, you know, I'll look a lot at teams that aren't contending or aren't looking, you know, in that spot where they can win the league this year and try and find pieces from their team that can help me. And I also try and put myself in their shoes, like what would they want for that piece or what would they be looking for for that player, you know, stuff like that. Also, if I'm not in it, you know, say I'm in 10th or 11th place and I've kind of mailed it in like I'm not going to win this year. I'm looking at the top of the standings and trying to find guys that maybe aren't helping those teams at the top that I can get possibly at a little bit of a discount or, you know, what have you. There was actually um, a situation last year where I made a trade at the deadline. I'm actually it's escaping me now what exactly what it was but uh i got i got a guy at a discount i apologize i shouldn't even brought it up but uh basically i was in you know not i wasn't in the running 16th 17th place in a 20 team league because i drafted really young and was playing for this year next year and beyond and um found a guy or two from the team at the top that wasn't really helping him at the time so I think actually well, it was Edwin Diaz was who it was. Which Yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yeah, one. yeah. which he has had some issues this year too. But, you know, that's a whole different story. 
But yeah, just stuff like that. I mean, thinking about one thing that I always try and have in mind and I feel like is really important is you have to put yourself in the shoes of the other guy. You have to know what they care about, know what they like, know what they value, etc. Like if you, you know, there's some guys that they overvalue prospects or they overvalue picks or whatever. And then there's some that completely undervalue those things and uh, getting to know your league, your league mates. I mean, that's a lot of the game to me that I don't think enough people talk about. They just think too much about the players and, Oh, I'm, I love this player or whatever. Well, if the guy who has him loves him too, guess what? You're not getting him at any type of good price. So just all things I think about when I'm kind of looking to make trades. And as far as at the deadline, I mean, if I'm in it, it's just addressing needs, you know, category needs, whatever I need at the time in the best way that I can do that. So that's really the main thing. I mean, in the off season, you can't address needs. What one thing I was going to bring up, see what you thought about it, but like, I think too many people in dynasty leagues, think they have a need in the off season and they spend too much of their prospect capital picks, whatever to address that need. And then in season, their need winds up being totally different. Oh yeah. You've, you and I have talked about that over the last couple of off seasons. We've talked about trades and I think there's so much truth to that. You might yeah. be able to get a guy cheaper in an off season. than you might be able to get them during the season but you also might, I mean, you just don't know, but yeah, it's scary to give up all your capita. And I was in that position at the beginning of this year where in a dynasty league, I was offered a superstar bat for a few of my big name prospects, Julio Rodriguez, Marco Luciano, Alex Kirilov. I think all three of those guys were offered to me or I would be giving up for a superstar bat. But I did. I between this being a weird year, and I just didn't want to give up all my capita if I wanted to, if I didn't know what I really needed because I've got a really strong offense in that league already. To where I'm like, I I just don't know if this is the time to pull the trigger. And part of my logic was that at the beginning of the year, I told him, I said, maybe at the deadline I'll feel differently, but I just don't want to do that yet. Yeah, I mean, like if you're going into the year and it's like, this is the year. I'm got you know, I have this team that can win and all that stuff. And then it's like you trade your first round pick, you trade your three best prospects or whatever, and you have this beautiful looking team going into the year. That's all fine and dandy, but you're gonna have injuries, you're gonna have needs come up, like you know, you'll have a starting pitcher or two that isn't pitching great or whatever it is, you know, guys getting hurt et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then something pops up in season and it's like, I need this, but now I don't have anything to trade for that. Yep. Let's, because I've traded it all before the season. Let's use your, so, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm No, I was just saying like, I am even, even when I have a good team that I feel like can win the league, when I am in the off season, like leading up into the year, I am a little bit like, yeah, I'm going to save this for when I really need it, you know, or, or I'm more likely to make this move if we're in the season and I'm like, that's my need. Boom, I'm going to address it. And then this could possibly push me over the top because you don't know what's pushing you over the top in February. Mm -hmm. 
I'll, so. I'll use you and RM too. Before going into this year, you clearly to me had the best pitching staff in that league. You had Justin Verlander, Steven Strasburg, Robbie Ray, um, who else? Madison Bumgarner. Madison Bumgarner. I mean, your staff was loaded. It's like, man, that guy. I mean, you never know with pitching, but any anybody who looked at your pitching staff would think that guy's got the best pitching staff going into the year. And if you would let's say let's say this is a normal season. And you went on and traded Marco Luciano for a bat to fill in that to where you're like, okay, I could use some more speed right now. So you trade Marco Luciano for speed. And then we're having this year where your offense is doing just fine. You're up there at the top and your pitching is just absolutely, I mean, those guys have all just left. They're all injured yeah. or been bad. And yeah. you, you, what you think before the year could look completely different a month or two later. Yeah, my team ERA is four seventy. <laughs> so yeah, it's unreal yeah, I mean, that your pitching staff is that bad. It's crazy. Yeah, my Ada and Darvish have kind of saved. Yep. I mean, whatever they, you know, whatever could be saved. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that is a good example. I mean, it's just you just don't know. It can look as good as it can look on paper, and there's going to be things come up. Even like star players get hurt, and there's all kinds of things. So yeah, it's just good to have a few of those. Um, whatever you want to call it, like capital, I don't know, money, like the, your bank account, I guess I've heard people say, you know, just for your having the prospects and the picks and stuff to be able to convert some of that into things to help you in season. Because if you don't have any of it, I mean, how are you going to fill those needs other than getting lucky off the waiver wire, which, I mean, that can happen, but you know how Hard that works do. out sometimes. Yeah, it's tough. The other part, of this conversation I was going to bring up is pitching because you and I have talked about this pitching. If you're a team that's deciding like you've, okay, you've got a lot of prospects coming up. Your bats are there, but my pitching, I'm not, I, I'm, I need pitching. I we've talked about valuing pitching and how it's different in, in season as compared to the off season. Why don't you just go into that a little bit on what your thoughts are? Well, I just think that, when you're in the middle of the season and there's like a stud pitcher pitching, well, their value is just going to be higher than it is in the off season. Kind of a, just one of those things, you know, in the off season, people are dreaming about prospects and wanting hitters. And, you know, I feel like there's a little bit less focus on pitching, but yeah, in season, I mean, Shane Beaver's got all the trade value in the world right now. Yeah. You know? So just stuff like that. I just think it's all good to, keep in mind not only that but if you trade for a let's say i clayton kershaw in the off season and you pay a real good price for a kershaw or somebody like that and then the february comes around and he starts throwing once everybody arrives in camp and all of a sudden he's got a shoulder or an elbow twinge and you may not even have him during the season to where there's just a lot of time during the off season between when they're getting ready to make their first start where something could go wrong. And yeah, you could trade for somebody in season and it happen also, but I I think it happens a lot more in, right there at the beginning of a year. And there's just so much of that that can happen right as guys are getting starting to throw again. And you just, I'm much more likely to trade for pitching in season and right at the beginning of a season when it's just beginning as compared to during the off season, whenever I've got a, you just don't know what they're going to be like whenever they get to camp and start throwing a couple innings in spring training. Yep, I get it. 
Okay, so we'll move on now and start talking about some of these trades. And we're going to start off with Alex Foltz, who brought up a recent trade from a 12-team head-to-head categories league. I asked people to be specific and give as many league details as possible because that does matter whenever we're talking about trades here. So in this 12-team head-to-head category league, they have a two-round subdraft, four prospect slots, and he moved Garrett Cole and a second-round pick for Casey Mize, Austin Meadows, and a first-round pick, which he expects to be a pick in the top three to five or so. Um, more factors. They keep their full roster year to year of major leaguers, 29 roster spots plus four prospect slots. So in a 12 team league, he moved Garrett Cole in a second round pick for Mize Meadows and a first. What's your reaction to that? Uh, I think it's, it's all right. I don't love it. I 12 team league. I'm Almost always, if it's 12-team or shallower, I'm going to, when in doubt, side with the best player in the deal because it's a lot easier to backfill in 10- and 12-team leagues than it is in 15- and 20-team leagues. So, yeah, I mean, if Mize is a superstar pitcher, I mean, it'll be fine. Meadows is good. I don't really think he's ever going to be great, but he's good. And um, the first round pick is nice. I mean, it's it's a piece, you know. Garrett Cole's one of the best three pitchers in baseball, so it's. Um, I think it's okay. I, I don't love it, but it's all right. Yeah, I would feel differently if this was a standard fifteen team dynasty. I'd say okay. Me too. Mize, Meadows, and a first. That's a real good return for Garrett Cole in a second. But yeah, the fact that I I pretty much were in line here, exactly what I was thinking. A 12-team league, I probably want the best pitcher or best player in the deal. And yeah, I'm giving up, I mean, four prospect slots. So you're thinking about 48 to 60 if some of them have some of these prospects that are up and in the major leagues are owned. That means there's a lot of prospects moving moving in and out of that list. And yeah, Mize is a very, very, he looks like a really good pitching prospect. And Meadows is clearly a really good outfielder, but I think it's a lot easier to find Austin Meadows and Casey Mize than right now than it is to find Garrett Cole. So yeah, I'm definitely in agreement that I probably wouldn't have made this deal. I'd have held on to Cole. And if, if you were, definitely set on trading him. I probably would have held on to him and seen if you could get a little more, even if it meant holding him into the off season. Yeah. One thing I just want to mention, nothing really to do with this trade, but just cause it's a 12 team league. But I do think, like I was saying, it is important to really know the league and know the size of it as far. Well, know the size of it. I mean like the replacement level, kind of where the replacement level is at i mean i kind of cringe when i see people do and i'm not talking about this trade at all just in general in like a 10 team league or a 12 team league when they're trading like one for three or four mm-hmm. i mean that top piece needs to be pretty close to the singular player that you're giving up because 
it's just too easy to pick up guys that are comparable to the third and fourth piece. You know what I'm saying? I I hope that makes some sense. Oh yeah. But um, it like I'm in. You know, I play in four dynasty leagues. Two of them are 15 teams. Two of them are 20. And I've almost started to feel like the 15 teamers are shallow to me. Like just because my mindset has kind of started to gear towards 20. Um, and I will say there's a there's a noticeable difference in the depth and what's available. Like I am much, much more likely to trade for bulk in the 20 teamers than I am in the 15 teamers. The 15 teamers, it's still it's still tough. I mean, there's no studs sitting out on the wire, but the 20 teamers, it's just so barren. And I feel like that, you know, obviously the more shallow the league is, it, it's just easier to backfill guys and pick up players that are you know possibly could pop or rise up and help you and then they're just as good as the third and fourth piece you got you know stuff like that so or that you gave up you know or got whatever i guess whichever side you're on but you get what i'm saying i haven't played in a 20 team league i have played in some al and nl only's a few times so i do have a little bit of experience with that which isn't too far off but the thing i've learned talking to you and just what I've known from, I mostly played 12 team leagues until three or four years ago. I finally started doing dynasty leagues and playing in dynasty 15 teamers. In 15 teamers, you can go to the waiver wire and you can still find at bats and players who play. They may not be right. that good, but you can get guys playing. But in a 20 teamer, those guys who get at bats have more value just because you. it's hard to find that on the wire. So getting bulk when you can get guys playing when it's harder to fill a roster full of guys just playing regularly, that's, that's the big difference. Does that sound about right? Yeah, no, it's definitely anybody who's getting playing time in a 20 teamer is getting snatched up just to give you an idea. And I know some people that are listening, play in these type of leagues, but today in RM three tonight on the fab run, I spent a combined 331 fab dollars on LJ Newsom, <laughs> who is pitcher for Seattle that uh, moved into Taiwan Walker's slot and has pitched well in yep. two starts, in like three and four innings. He's pitched well, but not a real big prospect, just has an opportunity and is pitched decent, but it's seven innings total. And Tyler Nevin who just got traded for Michael Givens to the Orioles. And I think that he may have a shot. Not the Rockies guy? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Phil Nevin's son, if I recall. Possibly, yeah. I think I remember hearing that. Yeah, I spent 331 fab dollars on those two players tonight. So he was traded for Michael Givens? I didn't even know about that deal yet. Yeah, Nevin and Taron Vavra were traded from Colorado to Baltimore. By the way, we're not going to be breaking down or discussing many of these trades going on. We're right at the deadline, but Andrew and I are going to try to get back just in a couple days, and we're going to talk a lot about fantasy impacts from some of these trades. But I didn't even know about that yeah. one yet. And, and just one other quick thing. Last week, Brad Miller went for 212, and I was upset because I barely <laughs> I bid I bid just less than that. So that just goes to show you, like in a 20-team league, what you're bidding on you know it's just it's anybody that if they start getting playing time and they get hot 
they're going for hundreds. It's not like you're not getting them with like a $40 bid. So. Man, Brad Miller. I, could, <laughs> I don't want to get sidetracked, so I'm going to move on to the next got that now. Got that OBP going. That's, yes, he does. 440 yeah. I think I saw what it was or something yeah. close to that. Yep. Anyway, we'll move on to the next trade. So we managed to talk for what, eight, eight, I was about to say eight hours, but that's a <laughs> like about one trade. So let's move on to number two. <laughs> Aaron Silver has two 15 team dynasty trades he shared with us. These are six by six roto leagues with OPS as the extra hitting category and K per walk, K per walk rate as an extra, as the extra category for pitching. 34 MLB slots and 25 minor league slots. So it's a little deeper than a standard 15-team league. Daily moves, which matters with one of these trades we're going to mention here. Aaron says he's been rebuilding for two years, hoping to compete next year. And he gave me four trades that he's done. We're going to talk about two of them. Trade one, he gave up Victor Robles, Willie Calhoun, and he received Pete Alonzo. He says he has outfield surplus and needed corner infield help. He knows he is selling low on Robles, but worried his value could get lower. Andrew, what are your thoughts on this one right off? I, it's kind of funny because I know you've not been the high guy on Robles, and I know at one point you weren't too high on Alonzo early on, not uh, more when he was a prospect, and I think that's more just you with first base prospects in general. So what are your thoughts on this one here? Selling low Robles, buying Alonzo coming off the big year. Yeah, I like I like it for him. Getting Alonzo, I would do that deal. Uh, especially OPS is an extra category. I feel like that helps Alonzo. And um, maybe you could say he's selling low on Robles, but he's buying low a little bit on Alonzo too. I mean, so yeah, I I would take Alonzo in that deal. Yeah, I think it even makes it better that he it fills needs for him in terms of needing corner and field help. I'm not saying that I would definitely be like, okay, this this making trades right now to fill your roster for next year that you compete. You probably worry more about that in the offseason, but that's just a nice little extra plus. I agree. What well, do you what do you think are you like a Willie Calhoun guy? I'm just I'm not. So OPS it's like doesn't when I see, help cuz he when, doesn't walk. When I see Willie Calhoun in a trade like that, it's like, well, that's not making me give, give up that upgrade, you know? Like, I mean, cause I, I'd just rather have Alonzo than Robles. So it's gotta be some type of other piece that I really want. And I don't know. I'm just not a Calhoun guy. You got me curious. I tr- had Willie Calhoun last year in my startup dynasty. Somebody released him in April or May. And I picked him up immediately because I wasn't I year one. I wasn't contending. I'm like, yeah, I'll pick that guy up and just stash him on my bench because you can't put prospects in your bench slots until they're called up. So he was filling a hole and he came up and he was really good last year. I really enjoyed having him and I moved him this offseason. I'm going to see if I can find out what as we are talking here. It'll take me a couple minutes and so we'll move on. But um, I, you know, he's a he's a hacker. He's a guy who does have 30-plus home run pop but does not walk. And actually, you know what the comp I just thought of is Kyle Schwarber but with worse plate control. I think that's what I might think of. Yeah. I think he's got I don't that, think he, he's got I don't that think pop. Yeah, I don't think he has that much pop. Oh, he, he, he showed a lot of it last year. I will say that. 
but maybe he's got 24 homers and 545 plate appearances career. Yeah, he was. I think he was rough. He, it 299 was a, OBP. That's the problem. Just, yeah, just just not a fan. I traded him straight. Oh gosh, let's see. Well, okay. I gave up Willie Calhoun and I got Justin Upton yeah, and a first round pick. So honestly, the first round pick probably makes me happy about that deal, even though it's going to be. Yeah. Actually, I think that right now that guy's struggling. So that's going to be a much earlier pick than I originally thought. Middle of first round right now. And I thought it was. Going yeah, to be that, late. Tra- that trade's fine. Yeah, I'll I'd do that again, even though Justin Upton's not even on my roster anymore. Okay, so yeah, we're both in agreement. Robles' stat cast data is still not pretty with him, and I think he's one of those that it's going to take a little while if it ever happens for him. But, yeah, I'm definitely in favor of that trade. Good move there. And now we're going to give go into the next one. Again, Daily League. He gives up Shohei Otani and Jordan Groschens. And he receives Eloy Jimenez and Hedbert Perez. He says he has Jordan, who will be UTEL only next year, so he needed to clear a spot given he and Otani are UTEL only. So what are your thoughts here on this one? A lot of big names on this trade. Yeah, yeah, this is a good one. Um, It's close. I think that... I've never been the biggest Otani guy. I'll admit that in a daily league, he's more intriguing. But right now, he hasn't he hasn't been that good of a hitter, and he's not pitching. So, and I don't know like his future with pitching. I just have questions with. I don't I don't know what they're going to do. Um, part of me thinks with Otani that it might just be better if they just made him a hitter full time just because he could focus solely on that. And I think he would be a pretty good bat long-term. Yes. Madden's even talked about how he envisions him playing the field in the next couple of years. That was yeah. a quote he made yeah, this I just, week. I, I've never thought that he was going to max out with pitching and max out with hitting simultaneously. I've just never been on that, on that bus. So I would rather have Eloy than Otani. Um, but that said, I mean, I think it's, pretty clear that Groshans is an upgrade from Hedbert. I think it's fair. I would probably take Eloy, but um, yeah, I think it's a good, good deal. Both sides, man. I'm trying to think I have Otani and Groshans. Actually, what's funny is I think Eloy, just, just real quick, Eloy, he's going off. (laughs) It's just ridiculous. Like this guy is just crushing everything. Hard hit rates, barrel percentage, 18 barrels this season already that's got to be that's got to be close to the league lead I don't know but yeah he's just crushing everything and I mean it's not surprising none of this obviously the White Sox have right now I mean they've had the best offense in the league to this point OPS I think I looked the other day it was OPS batting average hits and another category I think the White Sox led in four offensive categories so I mean, hitting in the center of one of the best lineups in the league, I won't say they're the best, but one of the best. And uh, I like Hedbert as a flyer, so, yeah. 
Sorry to interrupt you. No, you're okay. I may actually have had all four of these guys on that team at one point, that other dynasty. I don't remember if they all overlapped. I think they might not have. I moved Eloy in the offseason for Albies, actually, last offseason. That's an interesting one to look back at right now, and I still don't know if, I mean, right now it obviously looks better for Eloy. We'll see long term. I may end up, we'll just see. Both of them have superstar upside. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, with this trade, I don't know which one I would take. It's close. I'm so intrigued with Otani and that hopes that he could still pitch, but it may be my heart making that decision there. I don't know. It would be a tough one. But yeah, that's a good trade, and I I think whichever side you take, it's not a bad. It's it's not one of those where I'd be like, oh, I I think you made a mistake. Fun trade there. Okay, well, let's take a quick break, and we're going to get back and come back with a couple more of these trades that people have sent in to us. Team 1. What what I love is he didn't even tell me. I don't even know if he made these deals or if these are deals that he didn't make. But he puts team one and team two, so we're, we don't even know who who did what. But team one trades Jordan Groshans, Nolan Gorman, Luis Mate, Matos or Matos? Is it Matos? Do you know? Uh, I've always said Matos, but I don't know if it's right. Luis, <laughs> that narrows it down. <laughs> Helio Ramos and a first-round pick for Brandon Woodruff and Spencer Turnbull. That is a lot of prospects to give up for pitchers here. It is 15 minor league slots instead of 20. That does matter some here. What do you got, Andrew? Uh, with this one, I would take the prospect side. Even with 15 uh, minor like... leaguers, you're going with the prospects. Yeah. I think Groshans, Gorman, Matos, and Ramos are all like top 75 prospects. I think Groshans is top 30, 35. And I think the other ones could get there. I mean, Woodruff's really good. I like him. But I think with that prospect hall, plus the first round pick, which, I mean, who knows where that first round pick is, but. I think with all of that, you probably could get better than Brandon Woodruff. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm not in the league, and um, maybe they value them differently. But just in my experience, I think that that Hall could get better than that. It's but a- Woodruff, Woodruff is good. I mean, I, I do think Brandon Woodruff's good. Turnbull's, like, whatever to me. You know, like, I'm not going to give up even one or two of those pieces for Spencer Turnbull. So Here's the way I'll word it. I definitely would take the prospects side too. I think that is a great return for trading Brandon Woodruff and Spencer Turnbull. I do. I will say that in a lot of leagues, it's harder to give up elite, like pe- people who have the elite aces, the really high end aces, don't want to give them up for prospects. And a lot, like I could see a lot of leagues that I interact with, they want major league pieces or young young major league pieces if they're giving up their older ace veteran aces. But that said, for Brandon Woodruff, I do think this was a lot, and you could have given like most people. I think you could have traded Brandon Woodruff and gotten a, given a few less pieces up to make this deal happen. 
Yeah, this this is one of those trades that I think, you know, anybody who's thinking, it, who, anybody who isn't a prospect person is just going to be like, man, Brandon Woodruff's really good. Like, these guys are all just prospects, whatever. Just give me Woodruff. And that's fine. Like, I get that. But Groshans is going to be good. Gorman has a chance to be. Matos, farther off. Ramos, could he'll be sooner than Matos. But, I mean, th- there's a lot there. I mean, there, from a guy that pro- I consider myself a prospect guy, I mean, there's a lot of them out there. I You too. But um, I just think it's a lot for Woodruff. And I think that in a year or two, that will be clearer than it is today. Yeah. Yeah. Helio could actually be the first guy up of this group. Yeah, I, he was in Double right. A last year, to where that you couldn't have, you could have, he there. I could have seen him being up this year had they played the year. I'm not saying I think it was more likely than not, but I think it would have been possible that we could have seen him this year. I have a, I have a feeling the Jays are going to be aggressive with Groshans, but we'll see. I hope so. I, I could see, I could just see him moving up, up, up like a lot quicker than. Maybe a lot of people think. I mean, they already moved Vlad over. <clears throat> Excuse me. They already moved Vlad over and feel like he could just slide right in there at third base so easily. I mean, he's played a lot of shortstop in the minors, but most of the kind of the consensus is that he isn't a shortstop. So it just seems to make a lot of sense. And just, uh, yeah, I like that prospect package. Yeah. I've had a lot of people ask me about Jordan Groshans. I have him in both of my dynasty leagues. People have brought his name up a lot in trade talks and I just go running. (laughs) I don't want to move him. I may have to eventually. I don't want to. Yeah. I have him in RM three too. No plans really to trade him. No, he, he, I mean, it's funny because he only played like a month last year, but he shot up ranks when people got eyes on him. People think that he's got, he's a special bat. Okay, well, in that case, we're both taking the package there, and we'll go on to trade two for Ben. Team one trades Marco Luciano. Already, that's got your interest. Aaron Savali, Spencer Howard, Brennan Davis, and a first-round pick. That's a lot. But they get Mike Clevenger and Christian Yelich and a fourth-round pick. Whew, this one's fun. Andrew? What are your thoughts? Your boy Luciano's here, but it's also Yelich and Clevenger. Yeah, I'm taking Yelich. I mean, Luciano's been my boy probably before pretty much anybody's. He was anybody's boy, you know. But, I mean, it's Christian Yelich. Like, this is, it's, these are good, real good prospects. Spencer Howard, I expect to be really good. Brennan Davis, I mean, there's some risk there, I feel like. And Savali's been good, definitely. First-round pick, good piece. But, I mean, even Clevenger, too, mm-hmm. is a really good second piece, which is easy to ignore in a trade with Yelich. So, um, yeah, it's Christian Yelich. He's a top-10 overall player. I mean, arguably top-5. I'd take him. This is the type of trade where you give up Luciano. This is Correct. what you try giving up. When you're going to trade an elite guy, that's the kind of guy you get. And yep. I, yep, I'm with you on that. Uh, let me ask you this, a follow-up. Let's remove Mike Clevenger from this trade. Now what are your thoughts? Are, are you still doing it? 
Yeah, I think That's, so. I thought you might say that. That's why I wanted to yeah. ask. Yeah, I mean, it's you think about it a little more, obviously, but um, I'm kind of one of those guys, like with deals like this or big deals. I don't. I try not to let the secondary pieces stop me from making them. Like if I'm getting Christian Yelich, that's obviously the focal point of this. I'm, I mean, yeah, I would try and get Clevenger too. But if I love the deal with Yelich, I'm probably doing it without, with or without Clevenger. I mean, if I can get him, great. But if I can't, I mean, I think I'm still doing it. It's it's obviously closer though. I'll talk about one of your teams. I remember a few years ago you would talk to me about your first Rotomasters league and you made big deals like this. I remember one was for Arenado and I think you gave up Acuna in the deal. So this may not be the best example, but you gave up a lot of big name prospects to give up to get Arenado in that trade. And you know what? What you if you're really good at finding prospects, you can continue making trades like this every couple of years. And as long as, I mean, know yourself, you need to be able to find prospects, get them in the draft. And if you can do that, you can make one of those type of trades every few years. And so, yeah, I agree. Good fun trades there, Ben. Thank you for asking or providing them. Yeah. Yeah. Those were good ones. All right. Justin Nolte. He actually is in my other, one of my dynasty leagues. He was in a 15 team dynasty and he traded away Riley Green and Mike Yastrzemski for Eddie Rosario. What are your thoughts there? I'll let you go first on this one. I'll, I'll give my thoughts after. I'd like to know when he made this because Yastrzemski, my gosh, he just continues looking more and more like a star to where now I definitely am taking the the two. And I'm not even the high guy on Riley Green. I don't think I like Riley Green as much as you or a lot of the prospect guys. But, yeah, I think especially now that I'm definitely taking the two over Eddie Rosario, who you and I have talked about and I know you're going to have thoughts about. So I'm just going to go on and chip, go back to you here now. Yeah, yeah, I would, um, I would definitely take – I mean, I would possibly take Yastrzemski straight up. Over Rosario. I have, I own Eddie Rosario and RM1 and um, his power and the lineup is valuable, but he isn't a very good major league player. Like there are a lot of flaws in his game. I mean, he just doesn't walk a lot. His plate discipline sucks. He is walking a little bit more this year, but um 309 career OBP. It's the same story. I mean, he doesn't add defensive value. He doesn't add speed. I don't know. I, I'm kind of liking what I'm seeing from Yastrzemski. I don't love him. Like, I don't love Yastrzemski, but I think he's good, you know? And I think Rosario's good. Like, they're very similar. Riley Green just, I'll take that side. I think Riley Green's a top 40 prospect, 40 to 50. I mean, yeah, just give me the two bites of the apple as opposed to one. I like Rosario, but it's just not enough to give up that extra prospect piece to me. Right now, Yastrzemski's been better. I'm just looking up their stats, and I knew Yastrzemski was playing well. I really didn't know too well what Rosario was doing. 
They both, funny enough, have seven home runs and two stolen bases. That's the same. But Yastrzemski's beating him across the board on the rest. Batting average, runs, RBI. There's not a lot of guys playing better than Mike Yastrzemski. Yep. He's playing unbelievable. I mean, I think he's second in the majors in war behind Fernando Tatis. Yeah. I think, coming into today, I believe. I I remember hearing something like, I think you mentioned that about how he was leading the league in war at one point or something right up there. Not that war is a statistic in fantasy, but I'm just saying that, like, it just shows that he's going to continue to get these opportunities, and he's obviously looked good. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a good amount to like there. I mean, he is a little bit older, I want to say. Is he 30? 30? Yeah, I looked it up. He's 30, Rosario's 28. 28, which, yeah, yeah. But uh, Riley Green's a good prospect. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's – I would take the two. Yep. Hopefully you made that trade a couple weeks ago, a month ago, something like that, because it probably – it looked a lot better at that point than it does now, unfortunately. I think we're both in agreement there. Uh, Second trade for Justin, he's in first place, and he lost Chris Sale and Thor before the season began, so he needed pitching. He moved O'Neal Cruz and Tony Gonsolin for Hyunjin Ryu. If he needs pitching, is this a bad deal to make? No, I don't think it's a bad deal. No. Um, It's, uh, you know, I think with with the O'Neal Cruz part, I mean, right now, if you need pitching, I mean, I would rather have Ryu than Gonsolin. He's getting more consistent innings. Whatever you think of Hunchin Ryu, whatever you think of Gonsolin, I mean, you're just, it's definitely a short-term fix and maybe even better next year and the year after. We don't, it's hard to say. But um, I think, you know, with guys like O'Neill Cruz, I think people get, you know, we all have our guy in like that in the prospect range of, you know, I would say beyond the elite prospects, whatever you want to call it, top 20, top 30, top 40, where, you know, we all have our guys in that range. And I think we all probably get a little too in love with them. I mean, O'Neill Cruz is a good prospect. I don't think he's an elite prospect. Uh, I do like him, actually. I think I had him in like the 50s or something, but um, I wouldn't be afraid to move a guy like that for a major league upgrade. And I think that there's a major league upgrade here. So, yeah, I think it's fine. Agreed. Oh, I, every time I think of O'Neill Cruz, I think of the incredibly tall shortstop. <laughs> That's what I think of. I yeah. Think I just yeah. looked. He's 6'7". That's just crazy to think about. I'm 6'5". And in, and sometimes if we're winning real big in a game, I'll come in and play shortstop for the last inning just for fun. But I'm like, I do not belong at shortstop in a softball league. And anytime I ever see us play a team where I see a real tall shortstop, I just think it looks weird. It yeah. just doesn't. It's so weird. Now, this all, that all said, too, I do I do kind of like what um, what Gonsolin's been doing. But been it's just very good so far. Yeah, he has been good. It's just a. It's a tough spot. Like, it's a good spot with the Dodgers because, obviously, you know, you want the guys in the Dodgers rotation typically. I mean, not you don't want Ross Stripling right now, but that's that's a whole other story. But, um, no, I think that once Gonsolin starts getting regular opportunities, 
this could look a little bit different, but it's just hard to get those with the Dodgers. It's just tough. I mean, you got to be really, really, really good. Yes. So I'm not saying Gonsolin isn't, but yeah, I, I, I don't mind it, the getting Ryu. He's not Walker, Bueller, Dustin May level to where it's like, you know, that guy's going to get in the rotation. It's one of those right. that he is a back into their rotation guy. If things go great, that's where right. he makes it. And if he, if he's not great, he may be a long man and bouncing up and down. He for could a turn, while. he could certainly take Stripling's spot in the rotation. The other, the other thing is the Dodgers are the type of team that could go trade for a guy and then he's not in the rotation again. Yep. So, I mean, it's just, it's tricky with a guy like Gonsolin on a team like that. And they never give up anybody good. Like, if they trade somebody, it seems like they're always damaged goods, it seems like. And it's like, I'm going to be more afraid if they actually trade them because they don't give up anybody good. They, just, <laughs> they are so well run. It makes me sick how good and well run they are. I'm glad I'm not a fan of a team in the NL West. I mean, I guess the Padres have a lot to be excited about right now, and that's going to be fun for a few years, but... Jeez, I'd hate to be a fan of like the Rockies or the Diamondbacks right now. Where's your hope? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to move on and talk about the First Timers Dynasty League that I talked about. I set this up, 15 new Dynasty League players. And I've got a couple trades here that I, I saw as I was looking th- looking through trades over the course of the last few weeks. One of them was made this last week. And I've got strong opinions on this one. I think you will too. Charlie Blackman was traded for a first round pick in a 15 team dynasty. My question is it ever, oh, is it wise to ever trade a player at the caliber of Blackman for a first round pick at any point? Like, even if it was a number one overall pick, you were guaranteed. Could you see a scenario where you could trade Blackman for him? So I thought a lot about this one. If it was the number one pick, I'd consider it. That's it. Let me ask this. Do you not mean... the number two? And it's Spencer Torkelson, so let's just get it out in the open right now. If I was rebuilding, I would consider trading Charlie Blackman for the number one pick. Just the number one pick. Just sure that I the well, you, you, every it's year's different. different. It's different. Yes. Yeah, That's it's what every I was year's meaning. different. Yeah, every year's different. So I'm just going on this year. I mean, it's based, it's Charlie Blackman for Spencer Torkelson. So it's like, if that's the trade, then possibly, depending on the situation. But no, not other than that. And I think I went and looked when I wrote these notes up. I think, I hope I remember this right, because I'm unfortunately very scatterbrained and forget things. I think it was a mid to late first round pick right now yeah, if the season ended. And I thought, it's not enough. Oh, I mean, no. it's, just, it's just not enough. It's unf- There's a couple other guys at the top of the subdraft that are going to be good, you know, the second, third, fourth. I'm not saying those guys won't be good, but. Spencer Torkelson is pretty surefire. I mean, obviously he's a prospect, but he's already basically a top 10 to 15 prospect. So that I can defend for a rebuilding team, but I can't defend less than that. Charlie Blackman is, man, he's he's good. He's good. He's older, but he's good. I don't even know who made this trade. I didn't pay attention, and I don't don't know how many or if any of those guys – from that league listen to this podcast and I hope 
you if you are listening the guy who made this trade know that i'm not out here to rip you to shreds i more thought i'd bring this up for a learning opportunity i do this with a couple of my friends who are newer to dynasty leagues i'm like okay this you i think you made a mistake here and this is why and this is why i one of my biggest recommendations i make to people that are new to dynasty leagues is find somebody experienced in dynasty leagues to lean on because they'll be able to give you advice on whether a trade like this is a good move or not some of them may say yeah that's close okay pick your side i think that's okay but it'll prevent you from making the real big mistakes and this one was a big mistake you gave up a valuable major league bat who's on the colorado rockies he is 34 i think but he's yeah. just valuable and if you could have if this was the off season and you're getting Torkelson, yeah, okay. I can I can see a defense for that cuz Torkelson we'll, we'll talk more about him, but that's a special situation and that's not what's the case here. So uh late first round pick, you're getting flyers and Andrew and I, we are guys that value first round picks more than I think a lot of other people do cuz we like we both like getting prospects and using those assets to be able to get more assets well the thing is though too it's and i know you agree with me on this but i value them to an extent yes but a lot of it is to have like i was saying have the uh the capital to move to when you need to i mean like a guy like charlie blackman he he just isn't going away you know he's like such a good hitter that i mean even though he's 34 two to three years down the line, I mean, he might be doing what he's doing now. He's yep. he's an elite hitter, you know? So you it's could, just tough to move that for a first-round pick that isn't like I know what I'm getting with that pick. Mm-hmm. You know, like I absolutely know what I'm getting, um, you know, because once you start moving down in, in pretty much in any subdraft, but I'm just focusing on next year's because – that's what this is going to be. Once you start moving down, I mean, there's just more and more question marks. And there's not a lot of surefire this guy is going to be what he needs to be to be valuable enough to be traded for Charlie Blackman. Yep, completely agree. All right, we'll move on to the next one. Try to keep things moving. We, we're definitely doing what I expected. I knew we'd have a lot of conversations about this, and we are definitely doing that. Uh, rebuild slash att- establish team trade here at, between these two teams. Two outfielders and the majors were traded straight up. Andrew McCutcheon, the former MVP veteran, was traded for Nomar Mazzara straight up. Mazzara hasn't been great, wasn't great in Texas, hasn't done much yet in Chicago here since he's returned from COVID. Is that light about to flicker out is my first question I'm wondering, but if you weren't contending, would you move Kutch for a Mazzara straight up? How do you feel about that? I think it's pretty inconsequential for the most part if you – you know, if you like one more than the other, it's fine. Like if I saw this trade accepted and sitting there for me to process, I wouldn't even bat an eye at it. I would just, you know, would it, to me, it's not a big deal. I'd probably keep Kutch because I'm just not a Mazzara guy. And I don't know. I would probably just hope Kutch got hot and see if I could get a little bit more. But if you like Mazzara or you think something's there and 
whatever. You're done with Kutch. I mean, it's fine. It's not a big deal. Hey, Andrew. I've got yeah. I've got this guy on my Rotomasters two team. I was wondering if you'd be interested in trading for him. I got Noam Mazzara. Would you would you want to work out a deal? With him? <laughs> <laughs> I'll give him to you for your uh, first I round think, pick. I think, I think I'm good. <laughs> Jeez, that. But guy. yeah, Kutch Kutch hasn't been great either. No. You know, so I mean, I get that you're getting younger. I just don't really get. I mean, like. I can see a world where Kutch gets hot. Yep. Before I can see a world where Mazzara does. Mazzara, I mean, when is was the last time he was hot? Oh man, three years. I it's, mean, yeah, it's just he was really so, good in the first half in 2018. I remember thinking, oh, this it's it's coming together, and then he had some injuries midseason, and his end of, end of season stats looked the same as they did every other year, but. He was really good there for the first half of that year. And, yeah, he's not – when I say really good, he still wasn't a superstar. He was like an outfielder three probably on a normal team. Like so, I said, I don't I don't think the trade's a big deal. But another, another thing to keep in mind, too, is as good as the White Sox look right now, Mazzara doesn't start hitting. He's, he might get phased out, too. Yep. So that's just another thing to think about. That's why Texas moved him. I mean, they – honestly, they had a lot of outfielders and – He's starting to reach arbitration years also, and if he's not producing and bringing in more money for arbitration, I that's a guy who I could see being a release candidate at the end of the year. I could see it, depending on where his actual salary is. I guess that does matter. I, I should probably look and see what he's making this year. Might do that as we move on to this next one. Clayton Kershaw was sold for Luis Matos and Royce Lewis. How's that as a return for the the eight, the former top pitcher still really good ace. I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I think this one's um, I think this one's pretty fair. If you're, you know, and I'm assuming with most of these 15 team, 30 major leaguers. Teamer. Yep, standard. Yeah, 30 major leaguers, 20 minor leaguers. But yeah, I think Royce Lewis is a top. 10 to 15 prospect um, and Kershaw is a stud. So yeah, I think it's pretty fair. Um, and then obviously Matos is like second piece throwing whatever. He's a good prospect too. Not obviously that high, but uh, yeah, I mean, it just depends on how much you can stomach with the trading a known commodity for a prospect thing. But Royce Lewis is a pretty good one. So I think it's pretty fair. Yeah, if you don't think you're going to contend in the next couple of years, moving Kershaw is the right move, and this is the type of deal you make. You try getting a top 10, 15 prospect and see if you can get another real good prospect with upside, and that's that pretty much fits the bill with these two. So, yeah, that's a real good return for a Kershaw. Ah, Kershaw's so much fun when he's on. Man, he's been fun. I moved, I traded for him this year, and it's the first time I've owned him in four or five years. He's so fun. He's just such a good pitcher. I I hope he holds together for a few more years. Yeah, I will say I don't. I, I wouldn't say it's a real good return, but I think it's a good return. Yeah. I I like Royce Lewis to me. It, there's there's risk there that yes. I mean, it's a whole other topic. We don't have to get into it. But I just I think it's a good return. You you can't expect to get like a top three prospect, top five. Like you're not getting 
wander in a dynasty league. You're not getting Robert. So you do have to go down that a little bit. And Royce Lewis is good, but um, I don't think it's a really good return. I just, I just think it's good. I'll say this. There are probably people that would give up Julio Rodriguez for him, but I'll also say that those people probably don't own Julio Rodriguez right now because they've already moved him if they had him. Right. Because he's where he's valued. Okay. Those are the three I got from that, and we're going to move on. I'm going to skip ahead here and just go to a couple of these that we just did in the la- that we part- um, have seen. And in your Rotomasters 3 League, which is a 20-team league, this was a fun trade that was made a couple weeks ago that you brought up, which was there was a team that's not contending and a team that's contending here in a 20-team league. And the team that's not contending traded Rafael Devers and Yasiel Puig. Actually, that I'm sorry, I said that wrong. The non-contender got those two. Correct. And the contender got Michael Conforto and Max Kepler. I found we talked about this trade privately, and I thought this one was a fun one to move in here, especially with it being a 20-team league, where obviously when you're looking at these four names, Rafael Devers is the most valuable player. But in a 20-team league, like we've talked about before, you got to get at bats. And Yasiel Puig is killing whoever that contending team is because you're getting nothing right now, and you may get nothing this year. I mean, we talked about this, I think, on last episode. Where's Puig? He may not even show. And Devers is, was scuffling early on. I think he's starting to get hot over the course of this last week. But Michael Conforto and Max Kepler definitely are an improvement for that guy this year to where I thought this was a great deal for both sides. What were your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I mentioned I brought it up to just discuss real quick just cuz I I thought it was really interesting. I mean, obviously anybody that is just looking at that trade is going to go, "Well, Devers Devers is the best player." A lot of people might just say, "Just give me him." And that's fine. I mean, that side's great too. Um the only thing I'll say is 20 team and it's five outfielders. So a hundred outfielders are started in this league every week. And when you're competing to win and you can put in Michael Conforto and Max Kepler and not take anybody out of your outfield, that's pretty darn valuable, like really, really valuable. So I can't imagine, actually, I should go back and look, but I can't imagine who he put Conforto and Kepler in for because it's just, <laughs> it's probably comical. But, um, yeah, I just thought it was an interesting trade. Just wanted to bring it up. I like both, I like both for both teams. Yeah, that was a great trade for both. Uh, fun one, fun one there. And finally, I'm going to mention one that you just made a week ago. I thought this one was fascinating and also another one of those that was real smart for both sides. Um, And I don't think I actually went to this when we were talking earlier, and this allows me to bring up something that I meant to bring up earlier in the show. This was a road. This is is my my trade? This is yours with Paul Tam, our good friend Paul Tam, who I think you've known him for, what, 20 years? Quite right? a while, like 15 maybe. 15, yeah. so you guys go back. And yeah. this is the Rotomasters 1 league, and you have Strasburg who's out for the year. And you're contending. You're in first place right now, so that's a big hit when you're trying to win. And this is your – I don't think you've won this league yet. You finished second two years in a row. Is that right? 
Second, third, and second. It's been my kryptonite the last few years. So you're in so. striking distance here for your first championship in this league. And then you lose Strasburg. And Paul had Lucas Giolito. And you ended up sending Strasburg to Paul for Lucas Giolito. And Nol- and you also sent Nolan Jones along with that. Yeah, it was Strasburg and Nolan Jones for Giolito. Yeah. I thought that was a great trade for both sides. And why don't you just talk about it? Why don't you – you're the one that was involved. Yeah, no, so basically um, it was just one of those things. You know, I'm, I I need pitching, which I feel like I say that – I'm saying that in every league this year. I just – it's been a rough year for me with pitching. But um, it was just one of those where it was like, okay, you know, he he's not in contention right now. And I was like – Maybe he'll he would rather have Strasburg than Giolito beyond this season because he doesn't care about this season, obviously. And so I asked him. He he didn't want. He'd rather have Giolito. Uh, that because I originally offered just Strasburg for Giolito. So we just got to talking, and then um, yeah, we just landed on Nolan Jones as the difference. Obviously, he's a good prospect. So, yeah, he was good with it, and I was good with it because I feel like it helps me now and could potentially help me in the future. I mean, I love Strasburg. <laughs> like, I do. I love Strasburg. Yes, you do. I wonder, I wonder a little bit about how this injury will affect him going forward, but it's not – I wouldn't say I'm, like, concerned. I just wonder about it. I don't know. Kind of you know, unknown. like, he's 32 – we haven't, I mean, I don't know of any specific cases where we've seen this carpal tunnel surgery thing. Like, I don't even know what to make of it, you know? Um, but yeah, I just thought it was a good deal. And uh, it's definitely, <laughs> I tell you what, I, it's definitely nice to throw a guy in and then have him throw a no hitter right after that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to bring that up. Yeah, that, First was, uh, time that was the Gilito. funny part. Yeah, that was the funny part about it. That was your first major league start owning Giolito in any league, right? Um, no, I own well, I owned Giolito last year in okay. redraft, and I actually owned him in this league previously. Oh, really? Like, if, yeah, like when he was a prospect uh-huh. and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I don't even remember what I originally moved him for. I'd have to go back and look, but regardless, back. that's a great way to work out. And that's something I meant to say earlier when we were talking about trade strategy. If you're not contending, this is the type of move you make. Paul was made a great move here. And if you're not contending, go look at those guys in first, second, third, fourth place and see who's injured, especially right around the trade deadline. Because they may lose somebody that matters a lot that could that could cause them to move down the standings. And if you can send them somebody that's 80% of that guy, and it doesn't matter for you anyways this year. I mean, you 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 don't care if they're out because you're not contending and you might have a player who's up 20% over the guy you just gave up. It really, it really comes – if you're not contending, it really comes down to who do you want next year and beyond. Bingo. Like that's what you have to think about because this year doesn't really matter. I actually made a similar trade with Paul, and I thought of this. Oh, the Harper – Yes, I was actually going to bring that up. Yeah, in Rotomasters two, so this is a different league, the one that I'm in with Justin. Um, 
I think it was the first year. It was. Harper got hurt. Oh. It wasn't at the play at first base yes. where he that was like, whenever he went down in a crumpling heat. Yeah. Yes. And Paul was in contention, so we were reversed roles. I was not in contention. Paul was. Paul in first. was. Yeah, and I traded him Machado. It wasn't that it was Machado. Yes. And I got Harper, but I was, you know, obviously out of it. I just wanted Harper more for beyond that year. So those, and I actually thought of that because I was like, you know, we're just the type of, I mean, I know Paul and we're the type of guys where if we're out of it, all that matters is next season and beyond. This season doesn't matter. So just have to think along those lines. I mean, and evaluate, you know, what you think is enough and all of that stuff. But um, I didn't know how he would think of Straws and Giolito, so we kind of had to talk that out, but uh, we got it done. So, Yeah, great trade. Good. That's smart thinking on both sides. And that was fun, Andrew. We're gonna, I'm going to close this one out quick here because we've definitely got to talking like I expected us to, but that was a lot of fun talking about these fantasy dynasty trades. And there's just so much going on at this point when you're in, in nearing the deadline and you're at the wake. Like you, this is your window closing to where you got to make moves now, because you're writing to the end of the year with that team outside of Fab the rest of the way, and there's just a lot of stake at that yeah. time. But yeah, one one week till the uh, till the deadline, at least in in my dynasty leagues. Yep. And tomorrow's the actual MLB trade deadline, and Andrew and I, I'm gonna. Try to write up some show notes on trades that have gone on already and some that I'm sure we'll have some that happen tomorrow. We've had a big one tonight with Austin Nola we'll be talking about. And we're going to try to get back here in a couple days and talk about those trades along with some fantasy impacts from these trades. We'll just try to get a show out for you here in a couple days. But this was a lot of fun, Andrew, and we'll be back again doing this. I guess I'll be hearing your voice just maybe in two days. Yep. Yeah, we'll try and maybe do it Tuesday or something. We'll see. Yeah. No promises, but we'll see. No promises. We're going to try. <laughs> but thank you all for listening. I hope you all enjoyed this. I know I had a lot of fun recording it, and I know Andrew did too. This is the this is the stuff we love to go, go into. And until next time, take care, everybody. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. Baseball 365.